Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. We are today, Bezat Hashem, we're starting the new week. Welcome back. And we're starting the top of Yud Bet Amud Bet. Exactly. The first line, the first line on the page, Bayom HaShvi'i. Okay. This is the, again, to the exciting parts of the story of the Megillah now. We're going to continue going through the Psukim today and see the continuum of the story. So now what we're up to in the storyline is Achashverosh makes these parties and we're going to get to the part of the story now where the people get drunk and then they request for the queen to come out, which this is really the beginning of the Purim story as we know it. So the Pasuk in, in Esther tells us, Bayom HaShvi'i, it was in the seventh day, meaning they had seventh day of their party. They had many days of partying. So the seventh day, Ketov Lev HaMelech Be'yayin. It emphasizes, on the seventh day, the king's heart was gladdened with wine, meaning Chashverosh was feeling pretty good. He'd been drinking for a lot of days already. So the Gemara asks, <laughs> what do you mean? He was only gladdened with wine on the seventh day? That's a lot of days of drinking. Yeah. Until now, he wasn't gladdened with wine. So Rav is going to teach us, it emphasizes Yom HaShvi'i, because we know Yom HaShvi'i refers to Shabbat. Mm -hmm. So it's emphasizing the different way he behaved when he was intoxicated and the way that we're supposed to behave. It's funny because Mamash just spoke about this on Shabbat. You, you, you didn't. No, what the Pasuk in Megillat Esther is telling us is, that there's a fundamental difference when the goyim go and get drunk. We'll see what happened. Yeah. And the way we are, we need to behave on Shabbat when we drink on Shabbat on Yom Tov. Exactly. So Amar Rav, Rav says like this: Yom Hashvi'i Shabbataya. The seventh day was Shabbat. Now it, it could be literally it was Shabbat, or it means it's contrasting it with our Shabbat. Yisrael mm -hmm. Because when the Jewish people eat and drink, matchilin b'divrei Torah v'divrei tishbachot, they start. With Divrei Torah, they say Divrei Torah, and they sing praises to Hashem. It's Mirot. but the not these those idolaters. Shauchlin v'shotin, when they eat and drink and they get drunk, ein They only start talking about inappropriate things. And so it was at the party of that Rasha. We'll go on to see in a minute what was the Tiflut, the inappropriate conduct. But this is a very important message, specifically in Purim is that as we, we saw I mentioned this yesterday in Halakha is somebody's going to get drunk and then they're going to act in ways that are wrong Bior Halakha brings that they're going to one mitzvah you're not going to wash Natilat Yadayim you're not going to save your Katamazon etc you're not allowed to drink meaning the drinking is only if you're going to act in the right behavior otherwise forget about it it's not applicable so what happened there at that party Halalu Omrim. So at that party, you had different officers from different countries. So these said, Madiot, no, they started talking about women. Of course, that's what happened when they got drunk. They start. So the ones from Madai, the officers from the, the Medes, they said, Madiot, no. They said, the Madiot women are the most beautiful. Vahalalu Omrim, and the Persians said, Parsiot, no, the Persians are the most beautiful. Meaning they started talking about women. That was the natural course of the conversation from intoxication. Oh, Elliot, you, I'm glad you came because it's exciting. Amar lahem achashverosh, achashverosh. Talking about drinking. No, women. <laughs> <laughs> drinking and women, a bad combination. Amar lahem. Actually, there's a shaila if women are mechuyev in the mitzvah of drinking on Purim. Oh, it's are? very interesting. It's a shaila. It's ah. discussed in the post game. 
One of the reasons well, to say they probably shouldn't the end of the world. is because <laughs> once you get drinking and women and men together, it's probably not a good situation. <laughs> he turned to, again, we know it was the Persian Mede Empire, so he turned to them and he said to them, listen to the words that he says. No, it's if they get, go get one, yeah. Go bring one. I'll wait. Go, go, bring one. Go bring one. Don't worry. I'm going to wait for you. For this excitement, I'll wait for you. <laughs> okay, so the topic was for the, the Goyim, was to say that the women were... The, 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 the drunk, the drunk pe- officers all started to talk about, to boast. The women from our country are the most beautiful. The women from our country, and they started to boast. That was the way they, um, you know, it's, uh, that's the way they, very interesting. It's still <laughs> applicable, very much applicable today. So what happened? You'd bet them would bet about uh, seven lines down. Amar lahem. We just said is that the Pasuk tells us in the Megillah, on the seventh day of the party, Achashverosh was gladdened. His heart was happy from the wine. So he said, until, until the seventh day he wasn't, he was drinking for seven days already. Right. So the Gemara says, no, it's to contrast our behavior and his behavior. When we drink on Shabbat, for example, that's Yom HaShvi'i, the way we behave is we say Devrei Torah and we sing praises to Hashem. As opposed to, we're going to talk about now, how they started to act inappropriately. So we said, what happened in their, in their party? The officers of Persian meat started to boast, our women are the most beautiful, our women are the most beautiful. This was the topic of conversation when they got drunk. So what did Achashverosh say? Amar lahem Achashverosh. Now Achashverosh responded to all of them. Listen to how he discusses his queen. Now his queen, we have to remember, Vashti was actually from royalty. He was not from royalty. Like we said, he bought his way into the Malchut. Vashti was the daughter of Belshazzar, who was the third king in the line and the scion of the Babylonian king. So she was actually from royalty. So Amr lahem Achashverosh, Achashverosh turned to them and he said, The vessel that I use, he's talking about his wife, the vessel that I use, she's not Mede and she's not Persian, she's Kazdi, which is Babylonian. Would you like to see her? Now, can you imagine the words that he's using about his queen, who's the queen of the entire civilized society? It's such a bizayon, yeah, such a disgrace. If someone would talk like this today, I mean, it's... it's so, Amrullah, they said, yes, in, yes. But she has to be naked. The way that they're talking about the queen, he didn't say that, meaning the rest of the people there said that, which shows us that he would have been agreeable because if they thought he wouldn't be agreeable to that condition, they they would have never even thought to say such a thing. So obviously they knew he would take pride in this. So they said back, yeah, she should come out, but without clothing on. It was like, we're talking about the the queen of all civilization. It's unbelievable. So, and, and the Gemara tells us this was actually a midah keneg and midah. Mm-hmm. Hashem arranged this, that she should go out in this way. Meaning that she should be faced with the disgrace of coming out without clothing. Even though she would have been agreeable, actually. We know, as we'll see momentarily, there was some issue that she couldn't come out. But she mistreated Jewish girls in this way, and that's why it ended up happening to her. Mm-hmm. Because the way that people behave... Or that the measure that you use, that's how it's measured against you, which is the principle of midah keneged midah. 
Melamede teaches us Shaita Vashti Arisha'a, Nivia Benot Yisrael, that this wicked Vashti used to bring the Jewish girls, Umafshitina Rumot, and she would strip them naked, Veosebahen Melachav Shabbat, and she'd force them to do work on Shabbat. So in, in, in a Midah Keneged Midah, she was forced to come out without clothing on Shabbat. And as we'll see, she would have actually been agreeable to this because we know she was a Rishanta, she was a wicked woman who was only involved, interested in promiscuity as well. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu organized the situation that something happened, we'll see, either she got Tzarat, she got a tail, whatever it was, and she wasn't able to. Pimples. Pimples, so we'll get to, yeah. That's done, they always teach us in school. We'll see. We'll see what the Gemara says, he talks about. This is what the Pasuk means when it says, It says in the, after Avashti is killed, and eventually Achashverosh's wine leaves him. So it says, after the fact, Zacharat Vashti, he remembered Vashti, and he remembered what she had done, and what he had decreed against her. So the way we're expounding the Pasuk is, She received back just as was she had done, meaning the decree against her was in line with what she had done to the Jewish girls. So the Pasuk tells us, <clears throat> he orders her to come out like this, and she refuses. So the Gemara points out the obvious question is, it's fun, very interesting because in the uh, Purim tapes that I used to listen to as a kid, they don't point this out necessarily. She was a wicked, prom promiscuous woman. She would have been very happy to come out and flaunt her beauty. She was a beautiful woman. She would have been very happy to come out. So the Gemara says, why did she refuse? If she, meaning, Achashverosh didn't have an issue with this. The officers did. She didn't have an issue with this. So the Gemara says, Michti, she was a promiscuous woman, a loose woman. We finished off the last time we learned. They both had intent for sin. So my time, why didn't she want to come out? She refused to come out. Why? She developed zarat. And in school they teach us pimples, but the Gemara says she developed zarat. And she was embarrassed about that. Bematnita Tana Braita adds, Ba Gavriel Vaasala Zanav. Gavriel came, the Malach, and he made her a tail. So she looked very strange now, and she didn't want to come out in this state of affairs. The Pasuk says she refuses, Vayiktsof Hamelech Meod, and the king became very upset. And it says, Vachamatoba Arabo. His anger burned in him. It used a very strong language. He became extremely upset. So the Gemara says, Am I Dalka Bekuli Hai? Why did he get so upset? It sounds like she said something to him that very much angered him. So the refusal alone wouldn't have angered him to this degree. What was it that made him so upset? So Marava Rava says like this, she sent him something that she, she, she poked at his ego. What did she do? She sent back the message as follows. I guess she didn't want to say, I can't come out because I have a tail. So instead, she sent back an offense. You know, you fight fire with fire. She sent back an offensive message. What did she send back? She said like this, Bar Oharyore, the Abba, the stable boy of my father. Now, there's two ways to learn this. But either, either the pshat is, is that she was calling Achashverosh the stable boy of her father, meaning to say is, she was saying, you were the stable boy of Belshazzar. Which some say actually, Achashverosh was the, he was uh, like the low, low parts of society. 
Stable is the one who takes care of the horses. Like he was, he took care of the horses. Or she could have been saying, as we'll see in a minute, contrasting the stable boy of her father with her father. But let's just go with the first shot. So you were the stable boy of my father. My father could drink a thousand cups of wine and he would not get intoxicated. You, and you're getting drunk with wine. Meaning she was poking at his ego. You don't want to offend a person. You can't hold your liquor. That's what she was saying to him. And essentially she was saying, you're not royalty, you're, you're fake royalty. So, immediately his anger burned inside of him. So now he didn't know what to do because the queen had just insulted him. She refused to listen, but she is royalty. So what does he do? He turns to his advisors. And as the Gemara is about to show us who were his advisors, so the first group that he turned to were the Chachamim. The people actually came from the Sanhedrin. Unbelievable. Jews had been exiled, but you had great Chachamim from the Sanhedrin. So it says, It said he turned to his wise men. Man chachamim, who were these chachamim? Rabbanan, they were the rabbis. which says in the Megillah, it says they knew the times. What does that mean? They knew how to make leap years and add on a day for the months to make 29 or 30 days. The Sanhedrin was tasked, the chachamim were tasked with the requirement to add a leap year if necessary, like we have this year to Adar. And also they would make months, either Maler, Chaser, 30 days or 29 days. That's who's being referred to here. He turned to them, he said, what should I do? So Amr Louis said to them, Dainu Ali, judge the case for me. What should I do? Meaning, maybe she should be put to death. How else should I respond? What should we do? Now the rabbis were caught in a catch-22 here because they've said the following, Amr, hey, what should we do? Let's say we say, you know, uphold the honor of the king and they should kill, kill Vashti. She refused the king. She's moredet, the malchut, she's rebelling. You could kill her. The problem with that is, tomorrow when his alcohol subsides, he's going to get upset at us. He's going to say, well, how could you instruct me to do such a thing? But to say, leave her alone. But she disgraced the king. So what are we supposed to do here? So they said, you know what, I have a good idea. What we're going to do is, We'll, we'll say that we cannot adjudicate. We cannot offer counsel in this regard. We, uh, what's that? We abstain. Why do we abstain? So they said, good reason why we have to abstain. So Amrullah, they said back, Miyom Shechara Beit HaMikdash, from the day that the temple was destroyed, we were exiled from our land, it's a beautiful thought. They said, we have lost the ability to give counsel. We have lost the ability to advise. We cannot adjudicate. We can't judge cases of capital punishment, of, of death. Go to Amon and Moav. And they've been sitting on their place. It means Amon and Moav were not exiled from their land. Go to their officers. They're like wine that's sitting on its sediment. It retains its flavor. And they actually said this is based on a good reason. Like it says in Yermia, it says, Moab was at ease from its youth. And it was uh, comfortable, it was relaxing over its, um, over its sediment. Sediment are little pieces of grapes at the bottom of the wine. It was not poured from vessel to vessel, symbolic of exile. It never went into exile. Therefore, its taste remained within it. And its smell did not change. So what did he do? They said, essentially they said, we've lost the ability to give counsel when it comes to Dinei Fashot. 
since the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. Which, by the way, it's a beautiful idea because we know the Sanhedrin was actually situated in the Beit HaMikdash. There's a symbolism there, which is the Koach of the Sanhedrin comes from, comes from having a Beit HaMikdash to some degree. So they're not actually saying something that's entirely untrue. They said, you want to go ask the other officers who come from countries who were more settled. They can give you better advice. So what happened? The Psukim there say, Miyad, it says immediately, etc. He turns to his other officers. Welcome in, Joseph. You missed the exciting part, but you'll get the next step. So, the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so because yeah, <laughs> he mentioned it yesterday. No, <laughs> he mentioned it yesterday. That's why I was yeah, yeah. So he turns to his other officers, the non-Jewish officers, and it mentions them by name. So Amar Believer believe he says, quote Pasuk Zel Shum Korbanot Neamar. Very interesting. Each of these officers that are mentioned that he turned to for counsel refer to their names refer to sacrifices the Jews used to do when there was a Beit HaMikdash. And as we'll see, it references the fact that the Malachi Asharet, the heavenly angels, were turning to Hashem and saying, you have to protect your people, save your people from these bad decrees that are to come, because remember the sacrifices, the korbanot, they used to do for you. The Malachim were pulling in our favor. Very interesting. Let's see. Shum Karbanot Neamar. Karshina. What is Karshina? That's one of the names of the officers. So Amru Malachi Asherit of Neakadosh Bahu, the heavenly angel said in front of Hashem Ibona Shalom, the master of the world. Did these goyim ever sacrifice in front of you Karim Shana, a lamb that was one years old? The Korban Tamid, like the, the Jews used to bring the Korban Tamid. Shaitar, the second one was Shaitar. Klumik Rivulfanecha Shaitorim. Did the Goyim ever bring two turtle doves in front of you? Korbanot. Admita, klum banu lefanecha, mizbech adama. Did the Goyim ever build a mizbech adama? We know the mizbech had earth in it, connected to the earth. The Jews did. Tarshish, klum shimshu lefanecha, bebegdei kiona. Did the Goyim ever serve in front of you? With a big day referring to the the breastplate, we actually learned about in last week's parasha and Tetzaveh. like the pasuk tells us, it says in Tetzaveh, Tarshish v'Shoan v'Yoshve. One of the stones is described as Tarshish in the in the uh, in the Choshen. Meras, what is that referred to? Klum mirsu bedam lefanecha. Did the goyim ever mix the blood in front of you? See, with the korbanot, they used to catch the blood, and then they would mix it so it wouldn't harden up, so that they could do zrika on the mizbech. They could sprinkle it. Mirsina, klum mirsu menachod lefanecha. Did the goyim ever mix the flour and oil offerings in front of you? Memuchan, and the final one was memuchan. We know memuchan is the famousest one, the most famous one. He was Haman. Did they ever arrange a table, a shulchan in front of you? Meaning the malachim were saying, protect the Jewish people. They did all of these korbanot and parts of the korbanot, so have rachmanut on them and save them. Now, never, he never told the goyim to do that. Okay, they didn't do what they're supposed to do either. But meaning, the point is, the Jews had these chuyot. So he's saying, protect them because of their chuyot. Now, Mumuchan was the one who jumped up and started to give advice. So the Gemara tells us, Who was this Memuchan Tana? Memuchan ze Haman. Memuchan was Haman. Why was he called Memuchan? He was prepared. Memuchan means prepared. He was prepared for destruction from the beginning. This is a fascinating idea. It means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu utilized a person who was a Rasha, which was Haman, 
in order to punish the Jewish people because he was he himself was to be punished in the end of the story. This is a classic theme throughout history where Hashem utilizes a, a nation, because of Bavel or that would have ultimately be destroyed to punish the Jewish people, which would subsequently result in their own destruction. So he utilized Haman to punish the Jewish people, or to scare the Jewish people, because Haman himself would ultimately be destroyed. It's very, with Paro, is the same idea. I'm Rav Kahana. Says Rav Kahana, Mikan, we derive from here a very important principle, Shahed Yot Kofetz Berosh. Literally means the idiot jumps to the front. Memuchan was listed at the end of the officers. So he was the smallest of them, and he was the first one to give advice. The first one to speak up in the room is usually not the most intelligent one. So if there's a question posed, Kedai, be quiet and let somebody else respond first. <laughs> so what did Memuchan say? He said that we should send out letters, and the letters will say, Every man should be the officer in his house. Kol ish sorer bebeto. Right? Women should not mistreat their husbands like this. Should not disregard them. Every man should be the boss. The boss in his house. This is unbelievable. The wife given permission to say I'm the boss. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> That's probably not what we're referring yeah. to here. Amar Rava. Rava says unbelievable thing. You know, it's interesting. 2024. I'm not sure that it's the same as uh, Persia. Uh, 3,000, 2,000 years ago. But Rav says like this, If not for those first letters, means these first letters were sent out by, by Haman, that every man should be a boss in his house. If not for those first letters, There would not have been a remnant of the Jewish people. It means we would have been totally destroyed. Why? Because this, what we're talking about, there was the first letters, the second letters, and the third letters. The third letters were the letters that the Jews could protect themselves. The second letters were the middle letters, were the letters of the Gzeira. That on the 13th of Adar, all the Goyim will go and kill the Jewish people. So what the Gemara here is saying, and I'll just speak it out and we'll see it inside. When everyone saw the first letters, they said, this Haman is an idiot. Because naturally, every man is a boss in his house. I said, 2024 might be a bit of a different <laughs> phenomenon. But it, it, then at least in Persia... That every man was a boss in his house. As to send out a letter, they said, this Haman is lacking a couple uh, IQ points. So then when he sent out the second letters, if not for the first letters, they would have said, okay, we're going to kill the Jews. They would have even preempted the date of the 13th of Adar and went and killed the Jews. But because he had sent out letters already that showed he, they thought he was uh, a little bit missing in the mental faculties, they said, you know what, we're going to hold back. And they held back till the 13th of Adar when the Jews were already allowed to defend themselves. Fascinating idea. So Amri, the people said when they saw those first letters, My What is he sending us that every man is an officer in his house? It's obvious. Even a weaver, a weaver was considered like a lowly profession. But even a guy, a garbage man, is considered an officer in his house. So meaning there's no authority. So therefore they said, but Hashem organized it that he would send out these first letters so people wouldn't take his second letters as, as seriously. So what happens? After they kill Vashti, Achashverosh wants to remarry. So it says, He appointed officers to gather the women of the kingdom and he would go through them and see which one would ultimately marry. Now the Megillah tells us that what happened was he gathered all the women of marriageable age and... <clears throat> They would have relations with the king. We're going to see it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, a beauty contest. He would actually have relations with each of these women, 
And after he had relations with them, since the king had had relations with them, they would have to go live in the harem. In the, what's it called? The, the, the harem? Harem? The, harem. the, what? Harem. harem, is that a word? Yeah. Which was like the, which was like the, 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 only, the women only the women of the king would live, but they had to stay there for the rest of their lives. They weren't allowed to go back to their regular lives. So you could imagine women in the kingdom weren't necessarily excited about this proposition because what are the chances they'll get picked? Yeah. Very, very slim. And then the other option is they're going to get stuck living yeah, like yeah. Pr essentially p political prisoners of some degree for the rest of their lives. So the Gemara contrasts what Achashverosh did here with what David HaMelech did at the end of his life. Because David HaMelech, at the end of his life, it tells Malachim Aleph, it talks about how at the end of his life, he couldn't get warm. He was very cold. And so he was advised, marry a woman, a young woman, who will keep you warm. I, I, I shouldn't say marry necessarily, because Machloket in the Rishonim, if he married or didn't marry her, well, we're not going to get into that today. But the point is, David HaMelech was seeking out one girl. It wasn't every bring all the women to the palace. And the rest of them he didn't have relations with. They went, it wasn't Noget, they went home. So the Gemara contrasts the intelligence of David because if everyone knew that sh this woman who was going was going to get picked, of course they would want their daughter to be with the king. But if everyone knew that the women are going to be stuck in the palace without being allowed to go back to normal lives, they're going to avoid the edict, which is what ended up happening. So let's see. Amar Rebbe. What does it mean in the Pasuk in Mishlei when it says as follows? All of the intelligent people act with wisdom. And the fool spreads foolishness. What does it mean? All the, intelligent, the wise people act with intelligence. Zed David refers to what David did. In Malachim Aleph it says, Our king should seek out a young girl. And that's it. Meaning the rest of the women would not be stuck. They would go home. Anyone that had a daughter brought them to David. It would be an honor that she would be with the king. But then it says, the fool spreads foolishness. This refers to the approach of Achashverosh. It says, He appointed these officers to bring all the women and then they would get stuck. So Anyone that had a daughter, they actually hid the daughter from him because they didn't want her to get stuck in this uncomfortable position. Okay, now we introduce Mordechai. The Pasuk tells us, Ish Yehudi Haya Bishushana Bira. It says in the Megillah, there was a man in Shushana Bira. It says, Ish Yehudi. Now, what does Yehudi mean? Yehudi is Jew, but also Yehudi means from Shevet Yehuda. Okay, and we have 12 tribes. One of them is Yehudi, Yehudim, Yehuda. So Yehudi can be Jew, which we use in the colloquial, but in Megillah Esther, the Gemara interprets it means he was from Shevet Yehuda. Okay, the problem is Vigomer. It also says Ish Yemini. Yemini is from Binyamin. So it seems to be is from Yehuda, but it also says it was from Binyamin. Which one was it? So Micah Amar, what is the reference here when it says this? Eli Chusakaati. If it's telling us his Yichus, meaning why is it mentioning? One second. Why is it mentioning the background that he was Yehuda, Yemini? Why is it mentioning these things? If it's to tell us his Yichus, the background, his, his uh, ancestry. So the problem is, So then why not tell us who he is all the way back to Binyamin? Because actually, I don't have the Pasuk on me. Do you have the Pasuk there on the side? The Pasuk says, 
Ben, what's Ben? What does it say there? Shmuel Mordechai Ben. What does it say? No, I don't have the pasuk. Shmuel Mordechai. You have it on the side. Thank you. It says. So it says, he was a man whose name was Mordechai, the son of Yair, the son of Shimi, the son of Kish, Ish Yemini. Now, why would it say three generations in the past that he was from Binyamin? If you want to tell us that all, so say all the way back to Binyamin. Why just say three, genera- three, three of his fathers? Why is it saying that? So the Gemara says like this. Why is it doing this? If it's telling us his ancestry, so then go all the way back to Shevet, all the way back to Binyamin. So why does it list these three names of Yair, Kish, and Shimi? He's actually, it's referencing these three names because these are descriptions of the goodness of Mordechai. Ben Yair, he was a son of Yair. What does Yair mean? To light, provide light. Ben Sheheir Enehem Shal Yisrael B'Tfilato. He lit up the eyes of the Jews with his tefillah, meaning he provided them a relief from the suffering. Ben Shim'i is the son of Shim'i. Ben Sheshamayel Tfilato. His tefillah was listened to. Ben Kish, why is he called Ben Kish? Sheikish al Sha'arei Rachamim v'Niftechulo. Because he banged, Kish means to bang, on the gates of Hashem's mercy and they were open to him. So the point is, sorry, I skipped a step. The point is, the reason it lists him based on those three names isn't to provide his ancestry, but is simply to tell us three characteristics of the greatness of Mordechai. This is really the next step. Kari le'yudi. Now first it calls him Yudi from Shevet Yehuda. So we see it was from Shevet Yehuda. But it also calls him Yemini, which means he came from Shevet Binyamin. So which one is it? Mordechai was uh, crowned with good titles, as we're about to learn about, meaning he was crowned with wonderful titles. So as to say, as we're about to explain, what does that really mean? Is that he had the glory of these different tribes. Amar Rabba Bar Brachana, Amar Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi, Aviv me Binyamin, Imo Miuda. His father was from Binyamin, and his mother was from Yuda. So he's given the credit or the glory of both of the tribes. Rabbanan Amri, the Rabbanan say, no, a different pshat. Mishpachot mitagrot zo bezo. Actually, the families used to fight between each other in order to take credit for Mordechai. Why? Mishpachat Yehuda Omeret, the family of Yehuda, tribe of Yehuda, used to say, Anagarim demit yalid Mordechai, I caused Mordechai to be born. Why? Mordechai's grandfather was Shim'i. Now Shim'i was a fellow who had acted inappropriately toward David HaMelech, and David HaMelech was supposed to kill him, but he didn't kill him, causing Mordechai to be born eventually as a descendant of Shim'i. So Shevet Yehuda said, we take credit for the birth of Mordechai because David comes from Yehuda. So because David did not kill Shim'i, Mordechai was born. So we actually take credit. Very interesting. Because David did not kill Shim'i ben Geira. The families of Binyamin were saying, but he comes from Shevet Binyamin, so we should take credit for him. Now, Rava Amar Knesset Yisrael Amrali Idach Gisa. Rava said a different shot, the exact opposite. Is actually the Jews were fighting in the opposite. Is each one did not want to take credit for him. That's why it says Binyamin and Yehuda. So let, let's see. 
the, the Jewish people were saying, look what the Yehudi did to me, and what the, Binyam, the Binyamin person did to me. What did the person from Yehuda do? That David did not kill Shemi. Because if he would have killed Shemi ben Gera, the grandfather of Mordechai, Mordechai, and therefore Mordechai was born, because Mordechai caused the hatred. He provoked Haman. Oh, so yeah. actually, Knesset Yisrael were pointing fingers as, that's your fault. And also, look what Binyamin did. Because Shaul Melech, the first of the Jewish kings, was from Shevet Binyamin. He could have killed Agag, who was Haman's grandfather. And if he would have killed him, it ended up causing Haman to be born, who caused problems for the Jewish people. So really, they were arguing the opposite way. Each one was... Pointing fingers, it's your fault, it's your fault. Now the final shot we'll finish off with is, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Le'olami binyamin ka'ati. Really, Mordechai came from Shevet binyamin. Why was he called Yehudi? The word Yehudi is a terminology applied to people who deny avodah zarah. That's the terminology the Torah uses. You're a Yehudi means you deny avodah zarah. And Anyone that denies Avodah Zarah is called Yehudi. Where do we find this idea? In Sefer Daniel, referring to Hanani Mishal the Azariah, who refused to bow down to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar, it says, in Daniel it says, It says, look, these Yehudim are coming. Referring to Hanani Mishal the Azariah, because they denied Avodah Zarah, they didn't bow down to it. Okay, we're going to stop here. Bezat Hashem, top of Gimel Medalit. We'll pick up tomorrow to give you a wonderful day. Thank you, everyone. See ya.